Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Does sleeping hot keep you up at night? Meet the Lisa Chill Collection. These cooling mattresses work like magic with a cool-to-the-touch cover, zoned springs, and comfy foam layers. Say goodbye to restless nights and wake up refreshed. Lisa's Chill Mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers that whisk away heat, so you always sleep just right. These hybrids blend up to 1,032 breathable springs and plush foams for the ultimate cooling and comfort. And the Chill Collection doesn't just feel great, it looks great too with thoughtful design and pillowy quilt tops. No matter your budget, Lisa has a chill mattress for you. For a limited time, save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Everybody, welcome back this week to Her with Amina Brown. This week, I'm bringing back an archived episode to our Her living room. In a recording from the before times, I talk with multidisciplinary artist Miko about the connections between art, activism, and wellness. Miko shares how her journey as an immigrant influences the art she makes and how she uses her platform to elevate the art of Asian American artists. Check it out. Everybody, let us welcome Miko to the podcast. I, I just, I'm so used to being in front of an audience, Miko. I'm just used to there being like this, woo! So I end up like clapping. So I'm gonna do that for you. Yeah, I'll clap. Gonna, I'll okay, clap that's too. good. I'll, I'll say we're clapping it. together. It's good. I like it. So oh. Miko doesn't really um, know me, y'all. <laughs> she, we have some mutual friends, and she knows my sister. My sister is actually who first told me about you, Miko. She was like, "Hey, you need to check out." Bay Worldwide. So Miko's going to tell us more about that. But she was like, you need to check out Bay Worldwide. You need to check out Miko. And I was like, word. So I started following and we have all these mutual friends and I just think that she's amazing. So I'm really glad that she's agreed to be on this podcast today. So Miko, let me tell you 
I first saw you DJ at, was it super low key? No, I first saw you DJ at the flip side. The first Uh flip side event (laughs) that was at 529. Uh And I think my husband and I were, we were at something else and we're like trying to hurry whatever that was along so that we could like (laughs) hurry up and get to the flip side because Jennifer Chung, who's our great friend, was going to be singing there. And John Song, who we knew as Jules um, from his artist name, was going to be performing and all these like amazing people. So we go to 529. First of all, it's packed. (laughs) It's like wall to wall people. (laughs) I'm like here for everything. And flip side, for those of you that are not familiar with this event, is all of these amazing Asian American artists that have come together to just elevate each other's voices and art. And I just, I just really, the entire night, Miko just was standing there like (laughs) in awe of everything. Just like, I was just soaking everything up, like the music, the crowd, like everything. And I am married to a DJ. I'm married to DJ Ope Diggy. So, and even really before DJ Obdig and I were married, I'm just a DJ snob, to be honest. I don't believe <laughs> that anyone should waste their time with whack DJing because it's not necessary. It's like bad food. Like bad food isn't necessary. Like it doesn't have to be like that. And I don't see why I yeah. should waste my time on it. And that's how I feel about DJing. So I've like, I've walked out of some events. Like my husband will tell you, like if the DJ gets oh. just whack unnecessarily, I'm just like, I'm going home. Cause like there's music for me to listen to on my phone or (laughs) at my house. Like, why should I stand here and be uncomfortable? This doesn't make any sense. So watching you, I have watched you DJ more than once. Cause I did watch you DJ at super low key as well. Um, you're freaking amazing, Miko. Like, I mean, the, like the (laughs) DJ choices that you make, like I, I love when a DJ is spinning and as an audience member, you get surprised. You're like, oh, didn't know you were going to go there, but you did. And I'm glad about it. Like, that's that's what it's like watching you DJ. So oh, I have just and that's only like one aspect, y'all, of the things that Miko does. So thank you so much, Miko, for joining me today. No, thank you so much. I'm so honored that you asked me to be a part of this Um I don't have many opportunities to, I guess, speak on my story or speak at all. Well, I mean, especially, I mean, occasionally when I'm DJing, I'll get on the mic and hype the crowd up, but usually I don't, I don't. So, and, um, like the body of work that I do just, um, you know, you know, like different kinds of mediums um i don't usually speak so this is a first for me so i'm a little bit nervous but i'm really happy to be here (laughs) thank you for asking me so miko obviously we know you dj there are other creative things that you are doing what what is in the miko repertoire you are djing and what are the other creative things that you're doing yeah um I would say, uh, man, I'm just a really curious person. (laughs) So I like to get into a lot of things and um, a lot of things that I do have been self-taught. But uh, I work with a team, a company called Polyvisuals, and we do um, like storytelling videos. Uh, We've done a little mini docs, um, done some client work with corporate brands, uh, music videos and stuff like that. Um, what else do I do? Dabble in graphic design here and there. I think ultimately I just want to be a creative director and I think I have a lot of ideas in my head, um, that I want to implement. And so, yeah. (laughs) I love this. I, first of all, I'm, I love this and I'm just like, this is amazing. (laughs) Just all of these talents. I'm like, what is it? Like, like my husband's this kind of person where he DJs, Uh which is kind of interesting thinking about this Miko because my husband also DJs but he has a visual eye also where he can like mm-hmm. dabble in graphic design and 
he'll dabble a bit in some video production too. And I'm just, I have no, I, I, I just literally have a lot of words to say and write and I don't have anything else. <laughs> like if somebody's <laughs> asking me for some other talents, I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's all I have. So <laughs> it's interesting to me to think like you, you're now the second person I know that DJs, but also does sort of visual art as well, which makes me wonder if there's some connection to how the brain has to work when you are sort of spinning records and doing mixes and things like this. And if this, if there's like a similar part of how the brain has to also think about how you can visually tell a story, like if some, does it feel to you like something is the same in those processes or for your mind, are they completely different? Well, I think there are a lot of similarity similarities there, you know, um, I feel like there is a single thread that kind of ties in a lot of art forms together. And for me, actually, I started when I was a child, like with visual arts. Um, so I actually painted and went to a lot of art classes. I used to um, go to the dark room, develop photos back in high school and whatnot. Um, and then music has always been a part of my life. Um, I am Korean American. And so my very Asian parents have put me through a lot of musical instrumental training. Um, but I never, I guess, imagined to actually pursue this in any way professionally. Um, but I mean, a lot of, a lot of these ideas and the way that my mind works is just all for me, you know, being locked in my room and, um, you know, trying out different things. I'm just a very curious person. I think I'm just naturally like that. And if I'm curious, I'm the type of person to seek it out and try it. And I do kind of see a lot of similarities in these art forms, um, especially when in DJing, you know, I mentioned that I do a lot of video production and I help brands tell their stories and whatnot. Um, when it comes to DJing, when I'm on a stage, I really like to kind of, um, oh, you know how I play, I play all different genres. I'm an open format DJ, so I try to kind of play everything that I like, which can be chaotic sometimes, but there is, it's like, I feel like I'm weaving a story on stage, like mm. play a little bit of similar stuff and then sometimes like throw in, you know, I don't know, something random crowd reacts. And so I'll keep going with that. And um, yeah, really it's like uh, DJing has been like a very, uh, I don't know. It's been a crazy journey for me because I'm not, I've just always been a very quiet person <laughs> um, since I was young and I never ever dreamed of performing on stage for hundreds of people. So yeah, I don't know if that answered the question, but. <laughs> no, that totally yeah. answered. And that you, you, you're touching on a question that I, uh, or a type of question that I always ask each guest. I, I love to find out from each guest sort of an origin story because I think I think origin stories are so fascinating because if we sort of return to our younger selves, you know, our younger selves are in so many ways telling us who we're going to become, even though you're not always picking up on how all the pieces are going to land, you know, like mm -hmm. I, I was also um, a very shy and withdrawn child. It surprises me in so many ways that I became a person that performs <laughs> on stage because I'm like, I just would rather have been like in a corner reading a book or mm -hmm. writing in my notebook or whatever. And so part of my origin story of what I think made me become a writer is just I loved reading. I was very nerdy, you know, growing up. Um, so all of that exposure to how words can be used well really influenced what I wanted to do with words mm -hmm. when I became older. Did you have a moment that you can look back on now as a child that you knew, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to become an artist? Or was that 
something that came to you much later in your life? Oh, definitely much later. Um, uh, man, I, <laughs> I actually immigrated to America when I was really young, probably around like three, four years old. Um, and, you know, I loved art, you know, and I kind of showed those signs of being an artist when I was really, really young. And my mom tried to cultivate that in me. But then when I started going to school, she realized I was also really good at school. And of course, you know, being the tiger mom that she is, um, and I mean, being the immigrant mom that she is, she kind of pushed me in that direction. Um, and, you know, I, I love my mom and she has all the best intentions. Um, but yeah, I was definitely pushed uh, really hard in school, but I was, I was kind of like, I challenged myself too when I was a child. <laughs> so I, um, you know, I took all the gifted AP courses, um, mm. thought that I was going to go to med school. Uh, I went to Georgia Tech um, and studied engineering. And when I went to college, I actually dropped everything that I was doing art-wise. Because for me, you know, as, you know, a, an immigrant I guess I'm like, a, I call myself 1.5 generation because mm -hmm. I'm not quite like first generation immigrant and I'm not quite second generation, yeah. but being Asian American, like I couldn't even imagine pursuing anything in the creative arts. Like that was not even talked about at home. Um, it wasn't even, I didn't even bring it up to my parents because I didn't think it was a possibility. Mm. So, I mean, I naturally go into this engineering route and then maybe about third or fourth year in, third year in, I was just really unhappy. I knew I didn't want to do this. Um, I mean, I was in the lab doing Alzheimer's research and stuff, which was really cool. Um, but I didn't feel, I mean, it's really hard and, I, and like mad, mad respect to, you know, people in STEM fields because, you know, that's like taking years and years of research to become something that's like really, you know, revolutionary in terms of like science. And so a lot of it is really, it's small minor steps to get there and years of research. And it's a lot of, I mean, I, to be honest, boring. I mean, and I didn't feel like I was making an impact. Um, and I'm, you know, I guess I, kind of an impatient person <laughs> um yeah and I just it didn't feel I didn't feel passionate anymore about it and so you know at that time I had joined this nonprofit just doing just for you know for my resume I was just like fresh college kid you know trying to um put some extracurricular activities um on my resume and it ended up becoming something that really changed my life because um I know you know a little bit about collaboration, but for those who don't know, it is a nonprofit who is really trying to push diversity in mainstream media mm -hmm. and mostly focused on Asian Americans. And I was just started out as a volunteer, you know, um, helping out at shows that, you know, like the team would produce and it would be, you know, showcasing Asian American talent around in Atlanta. And this is just the Atlanta chapter. It actually started in LA and there's wow. several chapters all around North America. So the, it was really cool because you get to see this network of um, Asian American artists, even from the LA side, like they know all the big actors and musicians out there and people who I've seen growing up, even, I mean, like people on YouTube, like Jennifer Chung, I grew up watching her on YouTube, like wow. since middle school, high school. And so when I met her, I was like such a fangirl, but it's crazy because we're like really good friends now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, collaboration, it kind of showed me that like, hey, I can do this or I have other talents where um, I can bring communities together and I can, um, you know, 
inspire people to keep pushing themselves. Um, and I saw that through that. And especially like the older staff members and stuff that really mentored me and, um, you know, showed me that you can do this. And so I was getting close to all the collaboration fan people and then somehow got connected with the Atlanta art scene here. And um, a couple of my artist friends who I, um, you know, really liked and I loved their music, like their music producers and stuff like that, who told me that I had great taste in music. So I was like, oh my God, I might have great taste in music. <laughs> and so they just kept pushing me and they were like, I think you should try DJing. And um, at that time I was going to a lot of concerts and shows and I was like, yeah, man, I kind of want to try doing this. Like it was just inspiring to p- see people on stage doing it. And so I tried it out. Um, it was super well received because like, first of all, there's just not that many Asian American DJs in Atlanta and then also Asian American female DJs. Right. right. Yeah. And so I kept going at it. People really liked what I was playing. Um, and here I am now, almost four years later, I've been DJing. So, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, Miko. I can't even believe you just said four years because me seeing you live, I would not have even known that it had only been four years. That's wow. And I told you, I'm a snob. I will walk out right now over some whack DJing. I just can't even stand it. Oh my gosh. So that's, that is just amazing. And I love how collaboration as an organization, not only, you know, played this role in your, you know, development as an artist and even just in how you were going to navigate the world, but now you having an opportunity to work with them, you know, even more closely. I think that's so dope because I've been thinking about the idea of safe spaces. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the things that really struck me about going to Flipside where I first saw you, because I think when we talk about diversity and diversity is important, also, it seems like diversity is going to be best done when you know, the people of color, the marginalized voices also have safe space among themselves as well, mm-hmm. right? For and that sure. was one of the things that really struck me about being at Flipside that night. It wasn't that I wasn't welcome to be there. I was totally welcome to be there. But I also understood that this is so beautiful and such a safe space for every Asian American artist that's in this room And for every Asian American that's in this room, even the ones who are like, art's not really my thing, it's not my jam, but I'm here at a show watching people who have similar background to me or similar story to me, watching them share their art on stage uninhibited. And it was so powerful for me um, just to, to be there sort of to bear witness to that. And I think that is so important for all of us as artists, but in particular, those of us who are people of color, you know, that we are fighting to see ourselves and our stories represented in the mainstream while we are also cultivating this community among Mm -hmm. ourselves so that we can be seen and, and heard and honored in all the ways that our stories deserve. So I really, really love that. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs. Because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. 
Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash stereo right now. netsuite.com slash stereo. netsuite.com slash stereo. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You and I also share that we are both living here in Atlanta, and it just sounds like Atlanta has played um, a big role just obviously in your family and in your development as an artist. For me, when I was first coming to Atlanta, I grew up a military kid, so I had moved around a lot. And I got to Atlanta and I was like, oh my gosh, all these Black people are like driving fences. <laughs> this is crazy. Like, I was just like... <laughs> Everything was like amazing, you know, just seeing all the various things that people who looked like me were doing here, you know. So mm-hmm. I was sort of having an element of culture shock because I was coming here to go to Spelman College. And speaking of safe space, you know, Spelman being one of two historically black, historically female colleges, mm-hmm. um, I got a chance to meet like all these black women from various parts of the world speaking various languages, coming from various religious backgrounds and upbringings. Like there was no monolith among us. I'm sure you experienced this when you're doing work with collaboration too. It's like everybody has some shared experiences true, but when we all get in the room together, it's like we all come from very different places also had very different stories. And so that was good for me to see like all the things a black woman could be, you know, by meeting all these women, what was it like for you coming to the city? You know, and you were very young when you first got here, but what was that like as your, your, your entry into living in America? Did you, did you experience this, you know, as you got older, this, you know, culture shock of that? What was that experience like? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like my only memories of being a child are in, you know, Georgia, the state of Georgia. I grew up in Duluth, Georgia, which is mostly known as like the K-town over here. 
So Word. Word. the thing is like, <laughs> although I did immigrate, immigrate to America, I did feel that I was like in this kind of, well, at that time there weren't as many Koreans, but there are still a ton of Koreans here. And I still felt like I was in this bubble of mm. Asian, this Asian community that um, looked out for each other. And like and many of the people who immigrated to, you know, America, the Korean people who immigrated to Georgia, like all state in Duluth. Mm. And so I mostly grew up there, there until, you know, I went to Atlanta when I went to Georgia Tech. When I went, and when I went to school, there was like, oh my God, like I feel like I'm actually experiencing Atlanta as it is and the city where, you know, I got to, I guess, diversify my friend group. And because I think that, you know, because I felt safe in my bubble of Asian American, um, I mostly hung out with Asian Americans, you know, and especially the immigrant communities here in Georgia, you know, we for us, like a lot of our gathering places were the Korean churches around here. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what my upbringing was like. And my mom is a missionary and she just got ordained as a pastor as well. So that was my whole religious upbringing. And so I come to the city and um, I still felt like a little bit like a small town girl. And being in Atlanta, like it really kind of opened my eyes to, man, there is so much more out there um, than Duluth. And, you know, it's been crazy because like now I have, now I have actually mostly predominantly non-Asian friends. Um, And, but the thing is, um, I was like the token Asian. I was like the only, the Asian girl person in the building. And then when I started doing art and being kind of more of a figure in the city, like I, I'm one of the very few Asian people that are doing it out here. Mm. So, you know, I think, you know, especially with the political climate and stuff in the past few years, it really made me kind of um, like rethink, you know, how, I do events around the city and how I curate these kind of space safe spaces because, um, you know, I was, I had created like Bay worldwide, like right fresh out of college. And I, that was for mostly female artists. Mm. Um, and then, um, I moved on from that because I was like, Oh my God, like there are no Asian artists mm. in the city. And, with the whole Black Lives Matter and these political movements coming coming through, like um, it really made me kind of look inward into my own community. Mm. Um, because before, when I was first doing DJing and stuff, I, I, you know, I never did anything with like, you know, Jennifer on the, and like John, um, because I knew who they were. And like, I knew that they were artists as well, but I had never even imagined like working with them on stuff. And, you know, when I was forced to look inward into my own community, I was like, oh my goodness, like it, I think it's so awesome that these little like subspaces are kind of, you know, being created within like different POC groups, like, you know, like me and John started super low key and we are doing like little pop-ups for Asian artists here and there. And he created flip side. And then like, I had a friend of mine who uh, was working a lot with like uh Choloteca in the city who is like mostly Hispanic and Latinx artists, artists. And she was like, Oh my, like you inspired me to create that. And I was like, Oh my goodness. That wow. is, you know, I am so honored that like, me as an Asian can inspire another like Hispanic, you know, artist to be like, I want to help my community too. And it took me a couple of years, but 
like I am now reaching back into my own community and making sure that, you know, like we have a voice too, you know, because I think as Asian Americans, we are, you know, seen mostly as quiet and timid and shy and um, don't like to speak out against, speak out about things, speak out against things. And it just, it's like a vicious cycle because, you know, we, you know, it's, nothing's going to change if we continue to be quiet. And I think it's time for us to stand up and create those safe spaces and tell our stories because, you know, like the media tends to portray us in one or like there's one or two, three characters that Asian people get, you know, casted in. And um, it's awesome to see more, you know, Asian short films coming out. I know HBO is doing a lot with that. And um, like more prominent Asian artists and actors and not like they just shot, um, they're about to release uh, uh, the all Asian cast movie, Crazy Rich Asians, which is crazy. Like I would have never imagined that. I grew up, you know, seeing Lucy Liu and Jackie Chan and that was it. Right. So yeah, I think it's crazy because like I'm here in Atlanta and where it's, it's predominantly black people and this whole Black Lives Matter thing has cascaded out into these other POC groups. Mm. And I think it's crazy because, you know, I think we all still stand together, you know, even though it's all separate groups, I think they're empowering all these other POCs too. So it's really cool being in Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how, well, there's two things you said that really just, I think are so important. I I love how there's all this layering to how we affect change. And a part of that is, you know, for those of us who are people of color or exist in other marginalized groups, a part of it is, you know, being with your people and knowing mm-hmm. the story of your people and and elevating the the leaders, the influencers, the stories of your people. And then from that, I think a lot of times does come this collaborative element where, you know, for me as a black woman, I'm like, you know, I want, I want to tell the stories of my grandmothers and these women who came before me and I want to elevate the voices of other black women. Well, then that becomes other thoughts that I have. Like when I go into different spaces, well, then that turns into, well, well where are the Asian American women why are we not calling upon the Asian American women to lead these things? Where are the Latinas? How can we call upon their leadership here? Where are the Native American women and so on? You know, it just opens up my mind more and more um, whenever I get into an open door or when I get into an opportunity. How is this an opportunity for other people of color also, you know, for other women mm-hmm. of color? I think it sort of becomes... Um, this like really beautiful holistic thing where, you know, we are, we are looking for equity and we are, we are building things that say that our voices are important and that our stories are important. And as we do that, we sort of find these spaces where we all end up working together, you know, Mm -hmm. which um, I think is so, is so beautiful to be a part of, you know, and another thing that I was thinking from what you shared to uh, my friend, Kathy Kong, who I actually interviewed for this podcast, I was just at an event this past weekend and heard her speak. And she was just talking about how she wants the story of Asian Americans to be broadened because she was like, there is so much more to us than mm-hmm. what has been told of us, you know? And she said, we all speak different languages. We are coming from <laughs> different, you know, she was like, it's not even like we are all speaking. Like she was like, when people use this term, Asian American, she's like, it's not even like we all share a language. We're all speaking yeah. different languages and coming from these different beautiful cultures and want to celebrate the richness of all of it, you know? And mm-hmm. it was really uh, impactful to to so many people in the audience when she shared that, but in particular to every Asian American woman that was in the audience, just walking up to her after she spoke and just feeling so seen and known, you know, by what she said. 
And just every woman of color in that room is is looking at Kathy say these things going, yes, yes, you know, like we don't want our narratives to be flattened. You know, we want to yeah. express the richness of who we are. And so that's, you know, what I what I hear and what you're saying. I want to talk about DJing for a moment here because obviously I'm very into it and have mm-hmm. become a snob about it. Bless my heart today. <laughs> but I wanted to know f- for you out of all of the hip hop genres, you know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, break dancing and graffiti and beatboxing and emceeing and so on, you know, you you have all these options of what you you could do, what you could pick to be a facet of hip hop that you would engage with. What was it about DJing that made you go, I think I'm going to give that a try? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I think it's the fact that it, I mean, when you're a musician, you, I feel like a lot of musicians are tied to one genre. Mm. And with DJing, I I mean, I listen to so many types of music and I'm sure a lot of other people out there are like that, but like, how can I take that and be able to present that as an art form? Um, I think that's what ultimately drew me to it. Like I was raised on like my mom's old vinyl collection and like she listened to like the Beatles and Hollow Notes and Elton John and she loves you know, funk music and stuff like that. And then I grew up in, you know, Georgia and in like near Atlanta where I was exposed to hip hop music and like R&B and soul. And, you know, how can I blend all of these genres together? And that's what I guess ultimately drew me to um, DJing. And, you know, when I'm on stage, it's, it's really like, I feel like I just go into a trance, like after every performance, I'm like, what just happened? (laughs) Um, But it really is like, you know, crazy. This small Asian American girl can control like physical body movements and emotions of like hundreds of people in like one location. Um, I think that's a really powerful thing, you know, and I do that through music, you know, you know, other people like you do it through your words and the way that you speak. And for me, like music is like that channel for me. And um, yeah, being in Atlanta, like really influenced me a lot because even, you know, the type of music I play, you know, I, I play open format, but the type of music that you know I get a little bit into producing here and there Mm. and the type of music I want to make is like stuff that hits really hard like on the low end like bass Mm. like the hip-hop beats but then I also you know and I'm trained classically in piano and flute and stuff so I love you know you know the orchestral sounding melodies on top and something that really kind of swells like emotions in you um, yeah, music is such a powerful medium, you know? <laughs> it's my biggest, of all the arts, it's what inspires me the most, even though it is mm-hmm. not the art I do. Like, yeah. if I want to be inspired, I want to go and see DJs work. And I'm very, like, I want to be where I can, like, see your hands working. I want to, you know, <laughs> like, that. Or like, I want to go see someone perform live music. There's something about the music. I mean, I love music, period. I'm listening to it all the time. But there's something about the live music experience mm-hmm. of watching what an artist can do on stage, which is this very interesting conversation where, you know, you might be there DJing and I'm there standing in the crowd and I'm not literally like, Miko, what you been up to? What you doing? You know, those things. But we are a part of this conversation where yeah. you are saying something with the music that you make, that you spin. And then you're having to wait and see in the crowd, what's the crowd saying back? You know, is the crowd mm-hmm. saying back, 
oh, that is my song, you know, or <laughs> whatever it is. And then, you know, sometimes I watch my husband do this too. Sometimes the crowd is saying, eh, not me, not so much. And you're like, okay, got to pick this other thing and see, yeah. you know, how that goes. Just having to be so uh, fluid and flexible mm-hmm. in those moments and and being willing to see what the music wants to do that night. I mean, that is so, so inspiring to me. I've talked to you about art and activism, how you are just partnering with collaboration um, and strategy and operations, just providing more platform for Asian American performing artists, but you are also involved in the intersection of art and wellness, which Mm -hmm. I also find really interesting because I'm sure you and I could say about our own lives and, you know, for many artists that we know that sometimes as artists, we are neglecting our wellness. We're performing and doing all the stages. And sometimes our art involves us being very vulnerable about things that are going on in our lives, but we're not always um, in the healing process uh, really. And so I want you to talk more about the missed appointment, which is a project that you've been working on. Like, tell me more about this and how, how do art and wellness intersect for you? Man, I think it goes hand in hand. Um, especially people who are artists and creatives and like, for me, um, you know, I'm very, much both left and right brained and so I'm like very analytical and critical of myself but then this other part of me is just like very free like free form and want to create and I have so many ideas and then this other side's like well how are you going to implement this and so you know I feel like my brain is like constantly just you know going crazy fighting back and forth and so as creatives like we need you know, that moment of rest, those days of self-care. And, you know, that's something that's always been like a constant theme and a thing that I really have to remind myself over and over again. And like a really good friend of mine, um, Daisy Jane, she um, is actually, um, I met her through, you know, back in the day when I was like just starting DJing, like even before that. And like when I was trying to get into the art scene here in Atlanta and stuff. And she has been in med school (laughs) for years now. Um, She's about to graduate, but, you know, she is all about, you know, holistic wellness functional medicine um and her as an asian american herself she's filipino you know she is really about like reaching back into our roots as well and Mm -hmm. finding those healing um i guess rituals and stuff like that and so she approached me with this idea that she had just been you know she's been writing you know for years and she really wanted to create it in a visual form. And so um, we ended up releasing uh, season one last year. It was a nine episode series where um, she wrote most of the episodes and um, I would kind of, you know, say things here and there and contribute there a little bit, but mostly I, you know, shot the video, mm-hmm. edited you know, got a team together to do animations and sound and coloring. And we even had custom music on it. And like, um, uh, had a friend who took all the film photographs that we use as B-roll. And I think most of us were Asian too, which is crazy because I would have never imagined like making something like that with a team. Um, And we, yeah, we just like kind of... um, like did episodes that were related to, you know, self-care, mental wellness, um, healing foods. I think that's really important, the way that you eat and what you put in your body, like not even just the content that you feed on, like that you look at and read. It's like the actual food that goes in your body that's really important. And so, yeah, we created um, the missed appointment and... um, 
yeah, I mean, we are actually working on season two right now, which is, it's crazy that you brought that up. Um, but yeah, we're pivoting a little bit into, you know, like um, interviewing other people and, and honestly, like for us, it's not really an educational medium. It's more of like inspiring others to create their own self-care routines because I don't think there is one answer. Um, I think everybody's different. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, seeing an inside peek into the way other people take care of themselves is like, can inspire you to kind of create your own routine. So yeah, I think as a creative, that's so important. And so when she asked me, um, to like partner with her on that, I was like, yes, I am so down girl. Like that is something that I've actually been looking for. And you know, that's a journey that I'm still on and it's going to, that I'm going to continue to be on. And it was really cool, like working with DJ on that, because I think it really changed like my health habits too, like in the middle of working on all this. And I, and I'm just sitting here like editing videos. Um, but you know, seeing her really passionate about it was, um, really, really cool. And she is, um, on her way to become a, uh, site, psychiatrist because she's really passionate about you know helping people and yeah and this is kind of like her you know her way into um you know bringing other people into her practice and stuff I love that and I love I love the idea of of being able to bring people into a conversation about how you establish self-care practices for yourself. I know uh, that is a thing I'm still working on, trying to learn how how do I pause and take care of myself? And I've had to really, just with some health challenges that I've had over the past few years, really like, no, seriously, girl, stop and make a priority of this, or your body is not going to do the things that you would mm-hmm. like it to do, you know? <laughs> and then like experiencing the tensions of when you start taking care of yourself, you sometimes have less time to do the things that other people want you to do all the time. And yeah. so then that mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't have time to like do your work for you because yeah. <laughs> I need to take care of myself. So what are some things, Miko, that you could share with our listeners that may be uh, creatives or just maybe in a field or in a season of time that they're struggling with that, what are some ways that you um, go through your own self-care practice or tips that you would have for people, just simple steps that they could take towards not just focusing on making creative work, but taking Mm -hmm. care of your soul as you participate in your creativity? Yeah. I mean, like, I think for me, like time management is a big, um, I guess, thing that I have to tackle. And um, I've gotten into the habit of actually scheduling in Google Calendar, like me time. And I think that's so important because, you know, the whole concept behind the missed appointment is, you know, like the missed appointment is like those little appointments with yourself that you keep missing, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and your missed appointment can be, you know, calling your mom, or it can be like, you know, taking a bubble bath and just chilling out. (laughs) Um, Or like going and, you know, like having some alone time with yourself. So, you know, for me, like, I am really good about making appointments with other people, you know, updating my Google calendar, making thing, making everything look good. But then I was not good about actually, you know, setting that time for myself. So now I've gone to, into the habit of actually scheduling it into my, you know, calendar. And I think that's really important because all of us, I feel like a lot of us, like we try, we're like, yeah, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. And we keep putting it off. And that's what your missed appointments are, you know? So like me on, like I, I mean, for example, on Sundays, my brother and I, we have this tradition called Home Improvement Sundays Mm. and we have a little anthem for it and everything too. And Sundays, like we just, you know, um, work on 
like home improvement projects that we've been putting off. So like the past couple Sundays, like for example, we've been like, you know, making pouring concrete and making planters or like, you know, you know, making, I like sanded and like stained and made a shelf a couple of weeks ago and like having that time, you know, to myself where I can just do something that's like totally irrelevant to my work and my creative work. Well, it's kind of creative, but it's something that I wouldn't usually do. It's, you know, not anything I do to make money, but I think, I mean, it makes me feel really great (laughs) when I do it. Um, And then when I look at it, you know, throughout the week, I'm like, man, I made that. And that encourages me. And I'm like, I can do this. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I'm like, I was just talking to my husband about this today that I was like, I feel like I need to do a better job of like making our house home. Like I feel Mm -hmm. like our house almost, if we're like in a busy season of time, our house just turns into like the place where you showered. Yes. <laughs> and like, and maybe sleep bed. a little. Yeah, you went to bed <laughs> and like you ate some food, but you're basically like coming in and dropping a bunch of things like mail, uh-huh. bags, equipment, whatever. Then you're going to like go to sleep, eat whatever. You're going to pick up that stuff, take it out again, you know, like, and you just do that over all these weeks. Yeah. And I was like this summer. So maybe I need to have, I was like, maybe I will take this advice from Miko. Maybe I need to have like a, you know, make it home Mondays, huh? Yeah. Huh? And do something yeah. like this. Get some curtains going, you know? Mm-hmm. Like just get some of these plastic furniture things out of here and get like some real furniture made of wood or something. Yeah. I don't know, but that's a good. Like those are things that just are helping you to remind yourself you're, you're worthy of having a space that you love where you can have peace and comfort and, you know, be rejuvenated, you know, after all the stuff you do to give out in the world. So I love that. Oh, so inspiring talking with Miko. For more information about Miko, visit miko.co. She is also the creative director at Polyvisuals and the co-founder of a genre-bending dance party called Down For Whatever. You can find out more info at polyvisuals.studio and you can follow Down For Whatever on Instagram at D-W-N-F-O-R-W-H-T-E-V-R. But you don't have to worry about keeping up with all this while you drive or work out or distract yourself at work or whatever you're doing while you're listening to this podcast because all this info and more will be in the show notes at aminabrown.com slash her with Amina. Thanks for listening. Her with Amina Brown is produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions as a part of the Seneca Women Podcast Network in partnership with iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that. And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. 
When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.